Let's turn to the letter of, first letter of John, chapter 1 and verse 5. And we're looking today at section, um, the, the section 1 John 1, 5 through 2, verse 2. Let's give attention to God's holy and inspired word. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write these things to you so that you will not sin, but... If anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is God's word. Let's pray. O Lord, our great, glorious God and King, full of truth and wisdom and light and goodness, we praise you, O Lord, that you've revealed to us your truth. We thank you for this letter in particular and the clarity with which it shines forth, the truths about who you are, about our needs, about what Jesus has done for us, about the power of the Spirit in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray that as you are light, you would shine light in our hearts so we might walk in the light and go from this place to live out the light that you have already put within us by your Spirit. And so, Lord, we need your help. Shine on us this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've seen it so many times where someone who's been struggling with some significant sin, um, some big problem in their lives that's even been destructive, they come to a point where they resolve, I am going to do it differently. And they see God can help them. They see that the grace of God in Christ, they see, see that they can live a different life, and they resolve to do something different. And they are confident and sure that from this point, they're going to be able to move forward and to live a new life that's going to bless everybody around them and glorify God. But then it doesn't work out that way. They fall back into the same sin. They fall again, and the confidence that they had begins to be shattered. And they're filled with guilt. They're filled with shame. And once again, they have failed, and they don't know where to go. Now, if you have tried to walk in the light for any length of time, that person has probably been you. You probably have experienced those times when you have done those things or left undone those things that have caused you shame. And so the question is that this text answers for us is, what do we do when we fall and fail? When we do those things that that wound our own hearts, that cause us shame, that cause us to not want to face people, that not, cause us not want to face the Lord, that we would not want mentioned in this place, what do we do with that? This passage gives us the answer. What do we do if we sin? 
that passage is a key resource for you and me that tells us what we are to do. It begins with a statement about who God is. He says, this is the message that we have heard from the beginning and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. What a beautiful image that gives to us of who God is. God is light, and there's no darkness in him at all. It's so clear, it's so obvious, what, it's such a glorious picture that it hardly needs any explanation, right? It tells us how blessed God is, how wise God is, how holy and pure and perfect he is, how joyful he is in, in the enjoyment of his own glory to all eternity. And so it's a great statement of who God is. And what does it mean for us that God is light? It means that we should walk in the light. We should mean walk in the light. Listen to what it says in verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. So the idea is God is light and it's so much true that we need to be in the light if we are going to walk with him. And if we walk in the darkness, then we're not having fellowship with the Lord. Again, it's a relatively obvious thought, but one worth fixing in our minds and a, and a powerful image to teach us the truth that God is light, and so we are to live in the light. So what does it mean to walk in the light? Well, John doesn't, doesn't give us a full explanation right here at this point, but we can gather from the rest of his letter and from the scriptures what it means. To, to walk in the light means to find our blessedness, our happiness in God and in Christ. Jesus says this so well in John 8 verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So to walk in the light means to walk with Christ and to believe in him and follow him. Secondly, to walk in the, in the light means to walk according to the truth. Because it, all throughout the scripture and even in, in general, in, in beyond the scripture and in, 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 human, uh, in, in human thought, truth is like light. It comes to us and it shows us the way things really are. And so to be people of the light means to be people of the truth. We want to know the way things really are. Both in terms of who God is, who we are, what the world is, and and on the way to eternal blessedness. So to walk in the light means to walk in the truth. And you'll see that theme throughout this letter. Third, to walk in the light means to seek holiness and purity. It means that we, we align everything in our lives, all our heart, our soul, our strength, and mind, with God and his purposes. That's what holiness is. It means that using all that we have for his glory, according to his commandments, according to what is good, according to what is true, that is what it is to walk in holiness. Fourth, to walk in the light means to have fellowship with other human beings and to live as a person of love. Listen to what he says in verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, you might expect, if, if you didn't know what that said and you weren't familiar with that passage, you might expect to say, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we will have fellowship with him. But instead, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. In other words, 
and this is a huge point in this letter, that to have fellowship with God, to walk in the light with him, also cannot be divorced from how we live with other people. We can't say, I love God, but I, 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 I despise human beings. We can't bless God and curse men at the same time. These things are together. So it's meant God created us to live in one beautiful fellowship between God and human beings, and to walk in the light is to live in that way. We're going to talk a lot more about what that means in the coming weeks. But now, listening to all this, we might think, does that mean we have no sin at all, that we have no darkness within us at all? And it's clear from this passage, and this is what we're going to talk about today in the rest of the time that remains, is that you have to take this passage in light of everything that's going to be said thereafter. Because there's some parts it's like, it's going to sound like, if you're a Christian at all, then you never do anything wrong. And, and you're going to be like, uh-oh, <laughs> am I a Christian? But then you go back to here and you say, you'll see that he says, no, no, no. There's a direction that is in conformity with who God is, but it's not yet perfect. So listen to what it says in verse 7. If we walk in the light... He is in the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. In other words, as we walk in the light, we have sin, and the blood of Jesus is purifying us from that sin. And now, let's think a little bit more deeply about that darkness that remains in us even as we walk in the light. Because darkness can be present when we walk in the light. And in fact, to say that we have no darkness within us is a grave error. Listen to what he says in verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And in verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So we should never say in this life that we have no sin. It is an error. And so this passage clearly shuts the door in all sorts of perfectionism. The idea that Christians get to a point where they can say, I have no sin now. There's always some imperfection, some sin on every level of sanctification or our growth in grace. And it's so important to recognize this because another thing that surprises people is to find when they get involved with the church that they will find sin in the church, sometimes terrible sin. And some of that comes from the fact that there are people who gather in the visible church who are still walking in the darkness. And so that is going to be a part of the reality of living in the church. But even if every single person was walking in the light, if every single person here was truly a Christian, was truly had the light shining within them, even if they were all believers in Jesus Christ from the heart, there would still be sin in the church and there would still be the potential for serious sin, for serious falls, as the example of the saints in the Bible shows us from David to Peter and so on. And so we still need to grow. And we should never look at any sin or any problem or any failing in our lives and say that cannot that, that has to stay the same. In other words, to say we can't grow to a new level. We should never 
despair at the fact that we have some sin in our life as if we can't be delivered from it. That is completely wrong. But we should also not imagine that once we are delivered from that, that we have completely escaped from all corruption. Because every new level of growth involves some level of corruption. And it's so important for the church to recognize this because when we look out in the world, we're going to see people who completely disregard God's law and God's commandments, who don't care at all if they follow the Lord. And it's easy to look at them and then say, we're not them, so we're okay. And there is a difference between the righteousness of the church and the, right, and the unrighteousness of the world. But we've got to see that, too, the corruption that we see out there is still in here. And we have to be on our guard to be humble and to recognize that we can fall. And this is especially the case in a situation like ours in this nation with a highly polarized situation where we look at a certain group and say, they are the enemy, they are the bad ones. And to only see sin in the other side. We need to recognize that wherever we see sin, there's also sin in here. That's what this teaches us. So we are not to say that we have not sinned. So what are we to say? We are to say we have sinned. And when God makes clear to us the ways in which we sinned, the way in which corruption is in our hearts, we need to say that to the Lord and be honest about it. That's what it means to say we confess our sins. We are to say that we have sinned. If we are to confess our sins, to say we have corruption, we have done wrong, we are prideful, we have lusts, that we have not, that we have desires that are contrary to you. I've been using the Book of Common Prayer, which is the the book of of the Anglican Church or the Episcopal Church, as a help to my devotional life. And uh, I I definitely recommend it as a a great resource. and uh, we've used some of the prayers here and so on. And one of the interesting things is they have a morning ser- a service of morning prayer that sometimes they would do together in the church, sometimes is done individually in families and so on, then they have an evening prayer. And both of those begin with a confession of sin and an absolution. Because we recognize that every time we approach the Lord, we see his holiness and we see our sin. It's really instructive. And this is, of course, just what Jesus taught us. When he taught us how to pray, what did he say? He said, pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's to be part of our prayer. And what does God do when we say the truth, when we say that we have sin, and when we specifically say, talk about the corruption that we have or the things that we've done wrong? Well, there's a glorious message. He is faithful and just. And we might think, if you just heard that phrase, you might think, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and therefore will thoroughly punish us for our sins, which would have been right. It's what we deserve. But he says something rather astonishing here. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's not, if you really think about it, that's not what you would expect. So why does it say that he's faithful and just? Because he's promised that if we will just be open and honest with him and, and not say we have no sin, but say we have sinned, then he will be gracious to us and have mercy upon us. Now the question is, how can God do this so freely? And I want us to think about, in the next verse, is the hope that we can have when we sin. 
And what is our great hope? We have an advocate. We'll talk about that here in a second. But notice, before we, we see how he, how he speaks of that, look at 2 verse 1. He says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. So always remember that God's graciousness, God's forgiveness does not say, therefore don't worry about sin. Our goal is always not to sin. We don't want to do those things that are contrary to our nature, that are contrary to God's holiness, that harm ourselves and others. We always want to be done with that. He writes this to them so that they don't do those things. That's always the goal. But we know, we know that it doesn't always work out that way. Even if we might have thought at one time, you know, we might make it through without sin. People have been experienced. If you've tried to walk with the Lord any length of time, you realize, no, we're going to fall. And there's still corruption there. So what do we do? What do we do when we sin? Well, it tells us, 1 John 2, 1 through 2, 2, verse 1. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Now, again, think of what we might actually expect here. We might expect God to say to us, if we don't sin, then we have an advocate with the Father. We would expect, what case is Jesus going to want to take up? The case of the righteous, not the unrighteous. He's not going to want to defend the people who are actually criminals. He's going to say, if we haven't sinned, then we have a help with the Father. But it actually says the exact opposite. If we do sin, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. In other words, even if we do the wrong thing, Jesus is ready to take up our case before the Father in heaven. How can Jesus do this? Well, it says that he is the righteous one and he is the atoning sacrifice or propitiation for our sins. He's a propitiatory sacrifice that is covering our sins. He is a substitute in our place that is fully sufficient and adequate to be the substitute for the punishment that we deserve because he suffered on the cross and then he ascended into heaven and now presents that sacrifice before his Father in heaven and pleads our case and says, he deserves to die, but I died for him. Forgive him. That's what John, uh, Charles Wesley captured so beautifully, which we sang earlier. Five bleeding wounds he bears, received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. Forgive him. Oh, forgive, they cry. Forgive him. Oh, forgive, they cry. Nor let that ransomed sinner die. That's what Jesus is doing before the throne of God. So we can have hope. When we sin, we have someone who's going to plead our case. My brothers and sisters, we are here because we want to walk in the light. That's the way of blessedness. That's the way of happiness. That's the way that God is glorified. That's the way that we experience our own blessedness. That's the way we bless people around us. But what do you do? What do I do when I don't walk in the light? When the darkness overcomes me? 
Well, I want you to remember this sermon. And not really this sermon, but this passage. And let it be a resource for you. If any of you sin, remember you have an advocate with the Father. Remind yourself of this. And remind others. When they share their struggles with you, remind them. You have an advocate with the Father. And if you confess your sin, he won't bring it up again. It'll be gone forever. Fully covered by the blood of Christ. The glorious truth then is that no sin, no sin whatsoever can keep us from walking in the light and experiencing God's love because he is faithful to his promises and completely righteous. He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because of our great advocate, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen.